Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and literally around the world, this is another episode with your host, David J. Harris Jr. And today, friends, are you kidding me? I have the honor of having America's mayor on with me today. This man is undoubtedly the best thing that's ever happened to the city of New York. He represents, I believe, what so many of us wish uh, our elected officials would, how they would represent us, how they would act, how they would treat, how they'd respond to a series of crisis in our cities. And he's got some bombs he's going to drop today. Without any further ado, my good friend, Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Mayor, so amazing to have you on with me today, my brother. How are you doing? I've been looking forward to it, David. I really uh, appreciate all that you do. I I love listening to you. I love reading you. I think you're just a very, very, very special at this time in America. Very special role. Really handling it so, so well. Thank you, Mayor. It was a privilege. I ran into you a couple times in D.C. at the Trump yeah. Hotel. Looks like that's where you're at right now, coming to us uh, from my, the. I, I call this my office. The little, the little, <laughs> uh, the little cocktail lounge below the restaurant. I took, I take it over, and it's my office. I hadn't been here like in four months, but they kept my signs, and they kept it nice and clean for me. I think I've been the most frequent guest in the hotel because of the investigation. I feel fifty straight days earlier in the year wow it's it's unbelievable what we are seeing as a country that's just continued to grow and morph into one thing after the other after the other of them trying to come after this president with every lie in the book um just creating nonsense to come after him meanwhile we've got real criminals on the other side that are hiding and running right now uh i'd like to get into some of that you know with uh with the latest revelation of Joe Biden being named criminal in a criminal investigation in Ukraine, I know you know all about the Ukraine issues with uh, jo- not just Joe Biden, but there's a lot of people that are complicit in a lot of corruption. Uh, what hasn't broke yet? What could you share with us about Burisma, about Joe Biden specifically and Hunter that maybe we haven't had a chance to hear yet that we should all know about? Uh, right now, the Ukrainian government is conducting their own investigation, and they're beginning to put out information that supplements what we already have. So um, I hate to plug my podcast, but I will. If people no, would go do. to Rudy, rudyscommonsense.com and go from episodes two to seven, they'll get a complete uh, outline of what Biden did. It's not me talking, it's the witnesses. It's um, it's Mr. Shokin, it's Mr. Teloshenko, the prosecutor who was fired, the prosecutor who fired him, the young person in the office who overheard the whole thing, two other witnesses that witnessed the firing, and they'll tell this story, that everyone thinks that uh, Biden's son was done as a favor, just kind of a favor to, to take this young man who had a drug problem and give him a job. It wasn't, it was a payoff. It was a way to pay Joe Biden so that Joe Biden could fix the case for the really most crooked guy in Ukraine who had stolen $5 billion. And because of Biden's special position, where Obama gave him all the power in Ukraine, he was called a point man. He was more important than the president. 
Ukraine was broke. Biden had the purse strings. If he didn't give him that money that he brags about on tape, Ukraine would have gone under. This guy, Sloshevsky, who was a crook who stole about $5 billion in, in, in oil properties, was under investigation. And once Biden got named, and only then, did he make a contact with Biden and John Kerry, and they struck a deal. The deal was, I'll employ your son, I'll employ Kerry's stepson's firm, and Kerry's speechwriter, former speechwriter. And I'll pay him, actually it's $182,000 a month. Then I'll make extra payments to them. But when I need you, Joe, when Poroshenko comes after me to take my business away, you got to save me. Joe agrees. A year, year and a half go by. All of a sudden, in I think it's um, it's February of 2016, Shokin raids the Burisma office. Like the Biden said, there was no investigation. I don't know. You don't do a raid if there's no investigation. <laughs> right. They raid the office. Biden goes nuts. He calls up Poroshenko three, four times. And in, in that one month period, there were five conversations between them, all recorded, none of which have been released, by the way. None of the transcripts of those have wow. been released. They're being hidden by the State Department to protect him. And then that's when he admits, he told Poroshenko, if you don't fire him, you're not getting your your loan guarantee. And Poroshenko fires him only for that reason. So that's bribery, straight out and out bribery. Yes. There were five witnesses. There are tape recordings. There are other documents. And there are these four conversations which are being hidden that they will not release. What the Ukrainian government now is doing is they're investigating $5.3 billion in missing foreign aid under Obama. That's a big wow. number, Dave. That's a $3 huge billion number. comes from the U.S. That's our money. That's our $3 billion. We supposedly gave it to the Ukraine. Maybe half of it got to the Ukraine. The other half got to non-government organizations, many of them controlled by George Soros. Man. The ones that weren't controlled by George Soros were controlled by equally wacky left-wing European groups, groups that hate America. You know, you know how wacky they are in Europe. I mean, they're, they're, oh, they're yeah. even wackier than we are in the United States. <laughs> you couldn't get this money unless the witness says you were left of Soros. So the Ukrainian wow. government has now started an investigation. Two months ago, they arrested two of Soros's top executives in Ukraine for stealing $140 million. Nothing in the American newspapers about it. George Soros, Joe Biden, Obama, they're protected by like they're the mafia and you know you can't say anything about them because they'll kill you or something the press doesn't report that this company of soros's is under investigation for bribery in the ukraine and and these two people the two people involved also happen to be involved in turning over dirty information about trump and manafort back in 19 and 2016. wow so the U ukrainians are starting to do this but we don't we we, we seem to be afraid to do it the Justice Department seems to be, oh, my goodness, if we do this, they're going to say we're politically interfering. Meanwhile, they politically interfered with the president 
every day of his presidency. Every day yeah. of his presidency. There's something well, he didn't I, do. I can't keep thinking about if this had anything to do with Trump or Don Jr. or Eric, it would be plastered all over every mainstream media outlet nonstop. Criminal investigation involving the president's true, son. True or false it would have been. Well, that's, we can't have that in America. We can't have a double standard like that. You know, no. uh, a Democrat can rob a bank and a Republican can make a slight, slight little mistake on his tax returns. The Democrat gets away with it and the Republican goes to jail for 20 years. I mean, that's, that's not an, a, a, a fair country. That's not a no. democracy. It's not a rule of law. And we've become so bad. I mean, now it gets down to the streets. In my city, de Blasio let 8,000 people out of jail. No wonder we're having, I mean, people wonder how, how did New York go from being the safest large city in America just six months ago to being maybe the second or third most dangerous now, with maybe Chicago the only one ahead. It went, became that because Cuomo passed a no bail law, which means basically when you get arrested for almost anything, you put back out on the street. The, the cops are arresting the same people over and over again. Yeah. It's like they, 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 they beat somebody up, they get arrested. Six hours later, they're out. Two days later, they beat somebody up, they get arrested. Then, then, then comrade uh, de Blasio releases 8,000 people from prison for coronavirus. Now, we, have a, we, we don't just have a prison in New York, a jail. We have an island. It's so right. big that hold 22,000 people safely. We only had 12,000 in there. It would be actually one of the safer places to house people with coronavirus because you could segregate them. You could do what Cuomo didn't do in the nursing homes to kill so many people. Yeah. They would actually be safer. I wouldn't be, they wouldn't be as happy, but they would be safer Right. in Rikers Island. Just like I wasn't happy being home for six weeks and I'm not a prisoner and I had to do it. So yeah. I don't get this putting 8,000 prisoners out on the street and they are committing a lot of the crime. Plus, everyone knows our police have been told, back off, and any little mistake, your job's gone. Which is why you see these scenes on television, stores being broken into. You see the police, but they're watching. I mean, if I were the mayor, they'd all get fired. How, could you, how can you watch a crime if you're a policeman? You're supposed to stop it. You're supposed to stop the crime. And New York City cops do a good job of stopping the crime unless they're told unless they're told that they shouldn't stop the crime. <laughs> Why do you think? I don't think, get it. I mean, it's like two lawlessness. I think, I, I believe it's 100% political, you know, how Cuomo and de Blasio are handling the state, the city there. But what do you think is their end game? Why do you think they're letting their city, those cities in New York, just literally being torn apart with good American people being targeted with criminals running violently, you know, chaotically at will, doing whatever they want, not holding criminals accountable, letting them out without bail. What do you think is their end game? I probably different for different people, David. I think for some of them it's an ideology. I mean, if you read if you read a lot of the left-wing literature including Black Lives Matter and Antifa and then more fringe groups, they've had this plan for about 5-6 years to yes. demilitarize the police. But it doesn't mean just taking military equipment away from them. It means no guns, 
very limited power of arrest. Most arrests, most arrest of situations should be handled by social workers and, and uh, health care workers. Uh, they believe the police cause more violence than they stop. You because believe Cuomo and de Blasio incident. believe this as well? No, no. I think de Blasio does because I think de Blasio is a true believer. De Blasio went to Cuba on his honeymoon. De Blasio went to help the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. So I think de Blasio is, if he's not a communist, he's close to being a communist. I think he, he, he believes the ideology. The way the three women who founded Black Lives Matter are Marxists. Marxists. They're avowed, trained Marxists. They actually believe the stuff they're writing. Cuomo is a political operative. Cuomo wants to be president. Cuomo mm -hmm. is essentially a moderate Democrat. He's essentially a, a, a old-fashioned Democrat like his father was. However, he sees he's never making it in this party if he doesn't show that he can be as radical as the next guy. And that's why I think he's doing it. I think it's a pure, uh, cynical uh, determination that many of the Democrats have made. Nancy Pelosi, maybe even Biden. Although, honest, honestly, David, I don't think Biden knows what he's doing. I'm not <laughs> sure Biden either. really knows what he's doing. I, I mean, I, I, it's I know people that have that illness. I know some good friends who have that illness. It's a tragic illness. Yeah, But it's it is. there. It's there. My, my the, question how, is, how the press... my question is, why is the DNC and Joe Biden's family willingly putting him through this when he obviously is battling with mental uh, mental deterioration? You know, I've asked that question myself. I mean, asked my son, actually, my son, who works he works for the president. But I asked my son. I said, if I were if I were running, I was acting like that. Would you tell me? He said, of course I would, Dad. I, you know, you have a great career. You've got a great legacy. He does for their people. We don't think he does, but they do. Right. Why are they letting him ruin it? I think it's for power and greed. They don't, the family has taken advantage of him for 40 years. I mean, there, there's yeah. a, I used to be a prosecutor. I used to do racketeering case, RICO cases. I'm actually credited with the first one that really did RICO cases. And I probably know it better than most people. They were a racketeering enterprise. They started way back in Delaware. He became a senator, and the brothers started a, a lobbying firm, then a law firm. Then when his kid came out of law school, he went to work for the biggest bank in Delaware. And all of a sudden, Joe became the only pro-bank Democrat in the Senate. Wow. There was a bankruptcy bill. He was the only Democrat that was arguing to make it hard to get into bankruptcy. If the Democrats supposedly represent poor people, you want to make it easier to go into bankruptcy. Yeah. And Joe was, they had a whole big scandal about that. Was he doing it because his son was getting paid, those days, 100, 120 grand for what seemed to be a no-show job. He didn't show up for work a lot. Wow. His brother started a lobbying firm. And there was a real correlation between what Joe would do. And, and the brother a couple of times got caught saying, you know, I can influence Joe, I can influence Joe. When the brother was caught, Joe would say the same thing he says now. You can go back and look at the papers and... 1980s, 1990s. They'd say, he'd say, I don't know much about my family's business. I don't ask them about their business. But after the fourth scandal, you got to start asking them about their business. When you yeah. see that your brother, who's a little middle class guy, is becoming a millionaire. When you see your son, who's been in rehab four times, 
the kid's obviously got a problem. When yeah. you see this kid who's got a drug problem, can't hold a job, gets thrown out of the military, is becoming a multimillionaire. That meant something's got to happen, right? And then when you take them to China on Air Force Two, and you lose your negotiation to the Chinese, they raise the tariffs. They don't get out of the islands we're trying to get them out. And that's why Obama sent them there. And 10 days later, the kid gets a $1.5 billion commitment from the Bank of China. I mean, he had to tell daddy I got a 1.5. Goldman Sachs doesn't get $1.5 billion commitment. Right. He had to tell daddy it was happening. Yeah. I mean, it's a crooked family, David. I hate to say it that way. I used to like Joe. I met Joe 40 years ago uh, when I was in the Reagan administration, and he was number two on the Judiciary Committee because I had to get U.S. attorneys and judges appointed. And my chief of staff just happened to be in law school with him. And my chief of staff told me, you're going to love to meet Joe. Nicest guy, nicest guy. But, you know, he was the dumbest guy in our law school class. He just got through. <laughs> he had a plagiarized, and he said a couple of times. Yes. We know of one plagiarism where he put five pages from somebody's law review article and pretended it was his. So Man. that always, that always, I always liked him. I dealt with him a lot. I employed his niece when I was mayor for five or six years. When I first found out about this information about the Ukraine, because it was given to me by Ukrainians who were trying to give it to the Southern District of New York, who rejected it. Wow. I didn't believe he was crooked. I said, I, I know Joe. I honestly would always say about him that he was stupid. Beyond stupid. I mean, not, you say that sometimes as an insult. I meant intellectually really dumb. Hmm. But a nice guy. And I never thought of him as a crook. So it took me a while to accept that. And he was a big crook. Wow. I mean, not just... He, the family made millions. Every time he was a point man, it was payday for the Biden family. In Iraq, Obama made him point man. His brother James got one-third of a $1.5 billion housing contract in Iraq. He knew nothing about housing. He goes to Ukraine. His son's firm gets a multi-million dollar contract to help the most crooked company in Ukraine and does no work for them for five years. It lasted after wow. he was vice president. And some of the money to the firm was laundered, by the way. And I have the document. It's a completely provable case of money laundering to his son of 1.4 billion, million, 1.4 million. Then he goes to China. He completely blows the China investigation. It's all over the newspapers that he fails. And the kid gets a partner, the Bank of China of 1.5 billion. Nobody gets 1.5 billion for a startup firm. And the partners in that firm are Kerry's stepson and the nephew of Whitey Bulger. And the press doesn't wow. care. Whitey Bulger, the most notorious fugitive at the time, what the heck is Biden and Kerry doing tied up with Whitey Bulger? Yeah, now, that's, that sounds like a syndicate. If this were a Republican, this would never happen because the first one, not even Trump, I mean, if it was some unknown Republican senator from somewhere, they'd hang the guy. Yep. That has to, has to stop. If our country is going to get back together again, we've got to have one anybody... standard of justice. Has anybody from the Trump administration asked you for any of this information with Ukraine and uh, and Obama and and Biden? Sure, I gave it. I gave it to the State Department. Gave it to the State Department before Biden was running for president. 
They say I was trying to interfere with his running for president. I wasn't. I got this information before he was running for president when he was thinking about it. And honestly, I said, I know him. I didn't think he'd run. I didn't think his family would let him run in the condition that he was in. He looked to me like he couldn't walk across the street by himself. Yeah, literally. How's he going to run the country? So I was not thinking about him as a candidate. I was thinking about this as being able to prove, because it also going along with this was a great deal of uh, collusion, real collusion, where the Ukrainian government developed false information about the Trump campaign, like the black book that Manafort was supposed to have signed. It's created by Ukrainians, and they're willing to testify to it. So I got it as a defense lawyer, and it just so happens it incriminates him. I gave him to the State Department. I, I'm sad to tell you, they buried it. That inspector general has since been fired. For a year, they did nothing with it. Now I've given it to the Justice Department, and I have to say, they don't seem to be doing what I would do when I was in the Justice Department, which is investigating it vigorously. I think they're afraid that this swamp media will destroy them. I mean, they want to destroy your ability to make a living, not just destroy your reputation as a lawyer. So they get no, scared they and only the bravest. You. It's only the bravest that can, that can really handle something like this. And not everybody's brave. Yeah. But I'm going to Some keep, people want to just hold on to what they have. It out. He's not, not, I'm going to keep putting it out. We're going to do more podcasts. We're going to do a documentary. We're going to get this information to the American people. They just, we, I'm beyond Trump, Biden. I'm thinking about the country. We shouldn't elect yes. a man whose family has stolen this much money to the White House. And we shouldn't elect a man who's mentally incompetent. I mean, he's, he obviously can't do the job. Yeah. Only a cynical press allows this to happen. This should not be allowed to happen whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. You'd think that that would be the consensus of the American people, you know, if we didn't have such a dirty mainstream media that was constantly doing nothing but bashing our president and standing up for Joe Biden and not reporting the truth on Joe Biden, if the American people actually knew, I think even a tenth of what you've just shared, of what you continue to share, of what we all know to be true about Joe Biden, I think the American people would, uh, would definitely be on the side of justice and on the side of truth and on the side of America, because it is scary to think about a Joe Biden presidency. Tell us what you think would happen if for some strange, miraculous reason, Joe Biden was to win and become president of the United States. What do you think that family would do? What do you think would happen to our country? I think the family uh, who feels immune to any kind of criminal process would find ways like the Clintons did, you know, to sell the Lincoln bedroom. I mean, I mean, the, the Clintons were big thieves and they got away yeah. with it, right? They were almost the same thing. They were like uh, little small town grifters who made it big and became multimillionaire crooks. Uh, so I think the family, one of the, I think one of the reasons they're in it is, hey, we can really cash in on this one. We cash in all the other ones. I think the Democratic Party is in it on because they do not believe that anybody else can beat Trump. So they're willing to take a man who is looks like he has dementia, probably does have dementia or Alzheimer's. They're willing to run for president. As far as the corruption is concerned, they wouldn't care anyway because some of them are involved in it. Right. I have a I have a witness. I have a witness. I'll send you I'll send you his little his little link. And he says if they ever open this up, 
an awful lot of an awful lot of Democrats in Washington would go to jail. A lot of the Democratic families during the Obama administration were making a lot of money in Ukraine. It was like an open open bank for them. And since Ukraine has virtually no laws, and they had a crooked president who's now been thrown out, I mean, you've got all kinds of money going to Democrats. I have a whole list that they're investigating. And it's wow. a lot of Democratic staffers. In fact, there's a distribution there's a distribution of about $2 billion in, uh, in foreign aid over a period of time. Not a single Republican, except one, one of Romney's people, that's involved in getting any money. All Democrats. I was going to ask you if and there I, were any I, Republicans I wonder about that in one there. Because, yeah, but there's a Romney one there. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I wonder about his voting, what, what he's doing. He didn't want this yeah. investigated. No, no, no. Can't investigate this. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very he's strange been, uh, situation. Now you He's been vocal on not wanting the investigation. I mean, he's a rhino from uh, you know, from get-go. But um Now when you put it on top of these you, What What's that? Go ahead. I said if you put it on top of the lawlessness that's going on now, which I honestly David, I don't I've never seen this before. I remember the riots of the 60s and the 70s. And they were really bad, but I didn't have the impression then that they were trying to overthrow the government. I had, right. the, or the government as we know it. They want they want to have a different kind of government. These people they want a socialist government. Uh, they they want to do away with a lot of our rights, our gun rights. They want to do away with nuclear marriage, man and woman. I mean, the strange things they want. The people there yeah. were just some of them were just plain criminals, and some were outraged by unfairness but they never really totally disrespected the police i remember in those riots if you hit a police officer he hit you back <laughs> and he didn't go to jail because <laughs> he was defending himself now you may have burned down a building but if the police officer came up to you you didn't spit at him and and yeah. therefore if he spit at him he's going to hit you over the head now they spit at them they throw water at them they throw bricks at them and they put their head, the cops put their heads down, like they're targets. There is no, when you watch this, the thing that frightens me even more than the violence is total disrespect for every, they don't respect anything. The cops yeah. don't mean anything, the president doesn't mean anything. It's complete disdain for any kind of lawfulness. And that's very frightening that that's going on in our democratic cities. So I yeah, see Biden, is. if he gets elected, he's gonna spread it. Yeah, it's not going on in Texas. It's not going right. on in. Uh, it's not going on in, in in places with Republican mayors and Republican governors. It's going on just about exclusively in places with Democratic mayors and ones that call themselves progressive, whatever that means. What has been? I'm sure you've had police officers, or our, our law enforcement officers, our real heroes in this country. Uh, reach out to you. I, I'm sure you have more of a heartbeat behind them, uh, especially in New York City. What is the sentiment among our police? I, I just really fear that many of them, which I know are, are retiring early. They're looking for other places to go. They're they're quitting. They're they're leaving the job. You know what? What's the sentiment and heartbeat behind the police? I know recently the uh, the police union actually came out and endorsed Donald Trump as pre for president for reelection. But what are you hearing? What are some of the stories you're hearing? Or what are, what are some of the things you're hearing from our law enforcement officers 
that uh, that that, that we maybe not don't get to hear from the from uh, you know from their perspective. It's almost it's almost um, it's almost too sad to describe. I mean, I, I'm very close contact with them. I mean, my one of my businesses is a security business all over the world. We train police officers all over the world. We teach them how to reduce crime. We teach them how to reduce riots. We teach them how to deal with terrorists. So I employ many, many police officers, former FBI agents, sometimes CIA, whatever, for special missions in foreign countries. And um, they're broken. I mean, it's not even anger. They're broken hearted. Hmm. I mean, most of these men, if not all of them, I hope hopefully I hire the ones that, you know, had good careers and honest people. Most of them were dedicated to this. I mean, several yeah. times most of them were killed. Few of them were wounded. They look at this and it's so sad for them. You know, the, f the strange thing was, David, when, when Mr. Floyd, the night he was, he, he was killed, I got about 20 phone calls, at least, from the usual police friends of mine. And I'd say 16 out of 20 of these people are almost always on the side of the police. When there's one of these, you know, when there's one of these ambiguous shootings, some yeah. people stay neutral. Some people immediately blame the police, and some people immediately blame the, the perpetrators. Yeah. So 16 of these 20 guys, almost every one of these incidents, no matter what happened, the cop was right. Well, this time they called me up, and every single one of them was angry. I think they would, I think, I think if they had gotten their hands on this cop, they'd have beaten the hell out of him. Wow. I mean, they felt like it was, a, it was a betrayal of their profession. They felt like, several of them said to me, I've seen some really bad things. And I've even seen things I had to turn in. Never seen anything like this. Uh, the man for nine minutes deliberately committed murder. I mean, yeah. he was being warned. He was given nine minutes to prevent a murder, and he went ahead with it. It was so cold-blooded. And he even looked yes. weird. He looked, he looked like he was in... I mean, I would, I would have thought he was maybe on drugs or something. He looked like he was on, in spaceland. And then he had the other guy that was guarding him, more or less, who was just as spaced out. Yeah. No matter what the people said to him, he would disregard it, kind of move him away. They were saying, the man can't breathe. The man can't breathe. The man can't breathe. You can see the, you can see the man can't breathe. Yeah. And then finally, I think you see him die. Well, these, what point I'm trying to make is, this was an opportunity for real unity. I actually felt terrible that it happened. Next morning, I got up. I called two of my colleagues and I said, we can really use this as, as a as unity. We all agree. The most left people, the most right people, I don't know anybody yeah. that defends what this guy's doing. We can now start sitting down to figure out how do we stop things like this? What is this bad training? Is it bad selection? We either selected a psycho to be a cop. So you've got to look at the selection process or in the course of the job, he became whatever he became. I could see it wasn't a well-trained police department because if this were New York and it were a nine-minute incident like that, it actually was half hour, a superior officer would have been there by then. Mm. There would have been a sergeant at least, a lieutenant. In fact, that weekend when they were starting to have the demonstrations in New York, I pointed out to, to Fox News, look at all the white shirts in the crowd. Mm. Not all blue, right? She said yes. That those white shirts are superior officers. They're there to make sure the kids don't make a mistake. 
Right. And that should they should have been they should have been there on a complex anything that gets complicated. That's why you have a sergeant and a lieutenant. And yeah. they seem to be there seemed to be a, a confusion over whether there was a protocol that you could restrain somebody like that. You can't restrain somebody by putting your knee on their neck. No. I mean, the chokehold is controversial. This is just right. deadly. <laughs> You're going to kill somebody. And yeah, he, he did. was handcuffed. Yeah. So I think what happened is on the left, they saw this as a possibility. The president puts the FBI in in 12 hours. That never happens. The president condemns it. So, oh, my God, we might have unity here. And that's why I think they undermine the protest. And now, absolutely, Mr. Ford isn't even part of it. I mean, he's nobody cares about him anymore. And then the other thing about yeah, black the left lives doesn't matter care. always upset me. They don't care about other black people. You know, no. in the middle of this, a, a wonderful captain in, in, uh, in St. Louis was killed. Captain David Dorn. Dorn yeah. yeah, he was 78 years old and he had, he had organized police boys leagues, which I think are wonderful. I, they, some of the most effective things I've seen are things like we have the PAL in New York or the boys clubs or where sometimes you got to force the cops to do it. But once yeah. they do it, they always love it because they're little boys themselves. So you right. take a white cop, a bunch of black kids, you sit them down and talk and, and they become friends. Or yeah. vice versa. And also, you got to do with black cops. Black cops are not considered black anymore right. by these radical groups. They're, I mean, the things they say about them, they consider them worse than the white cops because they're traitors. Right. Traitors because they want to protect their community. Yeah, traitors because make any sense. they're trying to protect young black men from being killed by other young black men because things have to be fixed. We all know things have to be fixed. It's not... I don't say that to suggest that only blacks commit crimes. This happens to I'm Italian. <laughs> I, I investigated the mafia and I had to deal with, you know, all Italians are mafia. Well, yeah. not all Italians are mafia, but there were right. a lot of Italian mafia. I'm sorry, <laughs> there were. Yeah. And the best thing for Italians is let's get rid of them. Right. Right. So I don't get this, uh, but I do think it's an attempt I think race is being used. I, I don't even think race is the issue. I think race no. is being used as I think the people who run Black Lives Matter are much more motivated by by um, gender discrimination. And they're much more motivated by Marxism than they are by racism. Because if you read their outline, there's almost no mention of police brutality. Right. It's all about everything else. Yeah, that's true. It's all about everything else. Yeah. I think a lot of a lot of I think a lot of black people are seeing that they're being used. I hope they do. I hope they do see that they're being used. That, I think uh, white people have a harder. I think white people have a harder time with it, David. A lot of white people, they don't read beyond NBC News. Right. And you can play on their guilt. And they feel like they can't, they, they feel like they can't you know, oh no we can't you know, we can't say anything. Yeah, and it drives a wedge. It brings the it yeah, brings, and it drives brings a wedge. Breeds division Me, immediately. Here, here we were ready to probably have two weeks of people going on television, and for the first time, the Republican guy and the Democratic guy or woman and we could say the same thing. We're against that. We think it's terrible. We think it should be changed. And yeah. let's look at constructive things we can do to reduce police brutality. And there are constructive things we can do to reduce it. 
But we can't pretend that that's the only problem we have. Right. Then we're not helping anybody. On I think the, the president uh, gets it. And, and on the issue, we we agree 100% on everything that's that's wrong with BLM, Black Lives Matter. There's nothing about that. It's kind of the same as Planned Parenthood. They're not planning any parenthoods. They're just murdering babies. Uh, Black Lives Matter has nothing to do with protecting black lives. It's got everything to do with creating a Marxist environment, uh, implementing a Marxist system of government, and uh, destroying the nuclear family, which is how you destroy a country from the inside out. It's literally like they're they're playing out the rules for radicals from Saul Alinsky. Uh, they're 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 involved yeah, yeah, yeah. pushing that entire agenda, and they also are very very big proponents of abortion. Yes. Why would Black Lives Matter be a proponent of abortion? I mean, they I, at least be that neutral. baffles me that anybody in the black community would support a party that supports abortion. Of course, because they're not fo- focused, and they do a wonderful job. I mean, the Black Lives Matter does of propaganda. Right. I mean, they they they. They, they can hide their true purpose so well. Uh, it's amazing all these corporations. They're socialists. They want right. to do away yes. with corporations. And corporations are giving them millions of dollars to do away with them. <laughs> I heard Bank of That's America has actually just uh, allocated like a billion dollars for Black Lives Matter. Well, good. Then they should allocate some money for their dissolution. Because if Black Lives Matter gets in power, they'll dissolve. <laughs> yeah. Did you see uh, this? This, why, this is this, why this election. Did you see this? While we're on so the topic important. of Black Lives Matter, really quick. Did you see the videos circulating this weekend of Bevelyn Beatty that was pouring paint all over the mural, the 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 graffiti, really on the street in New York City? Did you see that? Of course I did. I, I'm trying to find her so I can represent her for nothing. That'd be great. I'm, I'll be interviewing her this week. For those that haven't seen well, it, I want, I want to play this. I'm going to play this clip I'm really send quickly. Send my number. Give it to her. She needs a lawyer. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. All right. I'll get your number after the show, and uh, I'm going to be interviewing her either Thursday or I Friday. I think she had a constitutional. Oh, in, if they had a constitutional right of free speech to put it there. She has a right, a constitutional right of free speech to take it away. That There was no law that put that there. That was the mayor's right. whim. And he's no better than anybody else as a citizen. So he defaced the property. She can deface the property. Literally, exactly. So do you think that, again, the police are just doing their job. They were obviously told to arrest her side or give her a ticket, take her they to jail. They almost did. If you, are you going to show are you, you gonna show a little of the film? Because if you look yeah, at it, show you can it. see that they really did they let her. They let her do a lot of damage before they arrested her. <laughs> yes, they did. Yes, they did. All right, let, let me play her do this a lot clip. Of All right, here's the clip. Why don't you stop her? Why don't you stop her? The police were letting her rub that black paint all over it. They did for close to eight or nine minutes before they finally did uh, stop her. But didn't that just put a smile on your face? 
Yeah, it did. It, 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 it said to me, people can still think for themselves, which is a wonderful thing. I mean, that's what America is about. Since the beginning of this pandemic, to, in some ways, we've been like little sheep, you know? Yeah. You got to stay in your house. You can't go to church. Uh, you know, things that are really important to us. You can't get married. You can't get married. Can't have funerals. Yeah, you can't have a funeral. But, you know, they, but then all of a sudden this happens and all the rules go away. Then the protesters, they can, they can be eight thousand of them. They can be yelling and screaming, which means they're spitting at each other, right? Yeah. I've seen them kiss, see them hug. God, if I did any of that, De Blasio put me in prison. <laughs> and De Blasio actually has said, De Blasio has actually said, we can't have, um, we can't have parades, we can't have religious festivals all summer except Black Lives Matter. Except protest. Now, how are they immune? How it it. it says to me it reveals that the whole COVID thing is, is a political uh, game. Yes. I mean, if you can if you can say, oh, well, the political purpose of this protest is more important than COVID, then where's the science? Yes. How are they basing this on science? Even Fauci refuses to say that these protests shouldn't go on. Right. There's something really wrong. Yes, there is. Yeah, I, I think there's something... Uh, dr- drastically wrong with everything that has to do with COVID. Uh, my wife and I were just on a plane back from California, and if you have any medical reason or condition whatsoever, you don't have to wear a mask, and you can tell them that, and they can't force you to wear a mask. My wife and I got on the plane, and before we even got on the plane, this couple saw my wife and I. Uh, we're both wearing Keep America Great hats for the president. I'm wearing a red one. My wife's wearing a white one. This couple oh. had issue with us standing there without our masks on, and that issue... Once they let us on the plane, uh, we we walked we walked past them and they said, "Well, there's your answer." Talking to each other, they had a fit. They wanted to talk to the yeah. captain. They were trying to get us thrown <laughs> off the plane. And the captain came out. He addressed the issue. He said, "I'm looking into if there's anything that 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 needs to be done." He came back and he said, "There's nothing that you know. If somebody has any issue for any reason and they want to get off the plane, they can get off the plane." Uh, but we're now about Good to take off a half an hour later, so. I heard from some of the people that were sitting next to him that a lot of people were standing up for us. Uh, we got a lot of thank yous, a lot of I'm glad you did that. And people were telling How that couple, if you plane, don't like David? it, get off the plane yourself. They didn't get off the plane. They flew <laughs> all the way from California back to Texas. But um, it was good. The captain How actually came and addressed us personally and said, I'm standing up for your rights. And uh, we were appreciative of that. How many on that plane? Oh, it was How a many full people? seven. Yeah, I don't know. There's 150 people probably. Oh, good. good. Well, things are coming back then. That's good. Most of the planes that I fly, every, when I come back and forth to Washington, it's like a third full, not even. This was a pretty full plane. I don't know why plane. anybody would have to. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was... you, 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 it's almost like you're on a private plane. <laughs> right. But I've... maybe that'll come back. I've been on some yeah. of those planes. So let me ask you this, <laughs> and then I got one question that I'm not sure if anybody's asked you before. Um, what has it been to stand by the side of the person that I believe is literally the only stopgate that's stopping socialism from taking over our country, that's stopping the liberal left? You're a personal friend of the president. How long have you been a friend of this president uh, before he was president, obviously? And what's it like to be in his corner and see what he does for all of us, for Americans, every single day? Well, I've been a friend for 30 years and known him in all different circumstances, have great respect and admiration for him. Uh, I always thought he'd be a good president. 
That's why I campaign, you know, virtually 24 hours a day for five weeks, uh, five months with him last time. I never thought he'd be this great. I wasn't sure wow. he would ever get president again that would be this great. And it's remarkable because of what he's gone through. I mean, they've taught, they've literally tortured the man yeah. with false allegations. And now he's faced with the pandemic. He's faced with these riots, all of which I think are exaggerated because they want to get him out of office. Yeah. And he handles it with courage. He handles it with dignity. He handles it by trying to find the right answer. Uh, and I, now I feel it's beyond even him. I mean, a year ago, I felt it was really necessary to reelect him because he was moving the country in such a positive direction. We've got to continue to go there. Now I feel he has to be reelected to save the, save us from having our way of life taken away from us. And yeah. the things that we that we, not everybody has to agree with us, but we should be allowed to have these things if we want them. If if we if if we want to believe in a nuclear family, father mother is the best without saying I ain't bad about anybody else, but this is the better way to do it, the ideal, we should be allowed to believe that. Yes. You know, if we believe that free enterprise is a better way of moving people out of poverty than socialism, well, first of all, it is, and I think it we're going to hurt a lot of poor people. And if we believe that you really need the police and that the people who are going to suffer the most are the poorest people if we don't have the police, I mean, rich people can get private uh, security, they can get guns, they can get yeah. training and they can and they can move somewhere else. They can move from a dangerous place like New York to a much safer place in other parts of the country. But poor people can't. They're stuck there. Yeah, that's why I became mayor of New York, because I felt like the poor people in New York City were almost like living in the Soviet Union. The drug dealers in those days ran the streets. A woman named Maria Hernandez was slaughtered because she turned drug dealers in and she became our rallying cry. I mean, and wow. that and that just happened to a woman in New York who complained about uh, about firecrackers. And and she complained because the borough president said, you shouldn't call the police, they cause trouble. You should try to settle it with your neighbors. So she did, wow. and they put a bullet in her head. Well, that, that's not New York, and we can't tolerate that any longer. And it doesn't matter if it's white or black, or we're all together in this. We're all, we, I always felt this way about the mafia, when Italian-Americans would go after me like crazy about the mafia. Not a lot, a few of them. And, and they would say, oh, you're a traitor. And I would say, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm the one that cares about our people. You mm -hmm. don't. You let us continue to have that stigma. And some of you cooperate with them. I know that. And you, you figure you have to do business. But if you continue to do that, your children are going to have no future. We right. want them wow. to be, you know, full Americans where nobody has to even think about this problem. And even if we can't get rid of the mafia completely, if we can show that we fight against it as strongly as everybody else does, then how about we divide up this way? All the good people in one group and all the bad people of all different races and in the other group. I like that division. You yes. know, if I, if, I, if I go to heaven, I hope the way, that's, the way it gets divided up, all the good people in one group <laughs> and the bad people will be over there. Absolutely. I don't have to worry about somebody, somebody stealing from me or hurting my child. Yeah. Uh, I think most people believe that, and I think Trump right now is the only one who can appeal to that. Biden, Biden doesn't believe anything anymore. He believes whatever he's being told by these people who are running him. And we now, we at this time in our country, just where we are with this division, this is a fight over can we maintain our way of life? 
or is it going to be yeah. radically altered? So it'd be hard to put it back together again. That's why it's so important. Do you think the president will, will, will win re-election? I do. I really believe, like last time, I think even more than last time, there's a hidden vote. And the hidden vote is the, it's like the, silent, the old silent majority or they're sitting at home and they're seething over this. And I believe a lot of people who never voted before are going to come out and vote. They're going to say, if I ever vote, I got to vote now. Yes. They can see what's happening. When they, yeah. when, when they see statues of, okay, the Confederate statues, there should be um, rules and laws. And they should be taken down, put in museums, or destroyed, whatever you want to do with them. Or I guess if some city wants to have them and they vote for it, so we got to tolerate a couple of cities who have them. But Abraham Lincoln? Ted, Ted, yeah. Teddy Roosevelt? Christopher Columbus? Um, Christopher Columbus? I mean, who, who even knows what he did so long ago? I mean, and uh, George Washington? Okay, yeah. George Washington, or even Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson had slaves, but he was the most guilty man in America. If you read his writings, he spent half his time saying to himself, should I have slaves? Shouldn't I have slaves? This is morally wrong. He actually mm -hmm. wrote, if we continue to do this, it will destroy America. I actually believe putting that in our literature helped us yeah. to eventually have abolition. He, he built in an institutional guilt about it because he, was, he, he couldn't figure it out in his own head. When he was a young member of the House of Burgesses, 27 years old, this is like the young liberal, right, Firebrand, he introduced a resolution to ban slavery in Virginia. And he was told if he continued with it, he'd ruin his political career. Wow. And he said to himself, well, maybe I could make more of a contribution. And you have to ask yourself, did he? Because who would have authored the Declaration of Independence? Who would have written the brilliant Constitution for Virginia? Who would have come up? Who would have, who would have purchased Louisiana? <laughs> <laughs> so he had to live with, he had to compromise with the evil of his times. Yeah. But he wasn't comfortable with it. And he gave us a lot of our greatest aspirations written in a way that nobody else has ever written them, which kind of inspired the whole world. So let's yes. look at him as who he is. Let's teach him for who he is. He's a man who did great things and he had great moral fa fa failures. Honestly, that describes most people in one way exactly. or another. Yeah, that, and that's uh, the beautiful thing about, that's the beautiful thing about America is none of us are perfect and yet we've created from our founding fathers, the most benevolent, the most prosperous, the most welcoming country in the entire history of the world. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, yes, we've done bad things, but we've shown an ability, sometimes we take too long to do it, but we've shown, shown an ability to correct ourselves. Yes. Even now we're trying to correct ourselves. That's why I thought the Floyd situation would be very good. I thought the Floyd situation, you couldn't argue over it. The cop was just wrong. Yes. So now that focus you, should focus you exclusively on how can we do a better job of avoiding this in the future. You shouldn't even think yeah. about it. How, how to do a better job of that? And all of a sudden, all the rest of it gets thrown into it. Now it becomes... Oh, okay, there you are. I got one question for you. One last question for you. <laughs> Mayor, what question... Are you never asked that, that, that you wish someone would ask you? Well, I never asked. 
okay? Why? Why do? Why? Why was I so successful? And why did I remove six hundred thousand people from welfare, require them to work, but then they ended up off welfare with jobs? That what motivated me to say, if you're on welfare, you have to work. Was it because I wanted to save money, which is what they say, and the Times beat the heck out of me? Or was it because I love people? Hmm. I, I, I'm never asked that because I'm a Republican. You know, why did I do what I did question. with the police department? Why did I, why do I believe in, why do I believe in you have to give children grades in school? Because I'm mean? Or because I want children to grow up and be successful? I think one of the things they don't ask Republicans enough, they just assume that even, even if we're doing it for a good reason, it's some harsh good reason, like we want to be tough, or we want tough love, or we want to save money. I really, I love people. And yeah. my greatest um, satisfaction in being mayor is not the buildings that I built. I built the Time Warner Center. Of course, CNN was in there, so I can't take that as a great success. <laughs> and um, my greatest, my greatest um, joy is the reduction in crime, the reduction in unemployment, and maybe the 600,000 people that I moved off welfare. That's amazing. And 500,000 500, with, with jobs. And wow. I believe the reason we sustained the low crime for 20 years is not just the programs I started like Comstat and Broken Windows that Bloomberg and Kelly expanded and improved. But I believe it was the programs to move people off welfare, to get them into work, to bring jobs back to New York, and to revive the neighborhoods like Harlem, like uh, the Upper West Side, like Bedford-Stuyvesant, where I went to high school. And right now, like Bedford-Stuyvesant is almost the center of the killing. That I walked those streets. I went to high school there, played baseball there. I know, I know the baseball fields where some of these people are being killed on. And I know, the, I know the kids that were there 50 years ago, and they were good kids, just as you know, I went to high school with them. I went to a Catholic scholarship school where you were selected from different parishes. And for its day, it was a pretty integrated school. It was a good number of whites, but a large number of Hispanics, because they're Catholic, but also a large number of African-Americans. Some of our, some of our best students were African-Americans. One, one died in the Vietnam War, a war hero, as an Air Force pilot. And we didn't have problems like this. I mean, we used to call each other names. And I can't repeat it. They would call me names about being an Italian. Yeah. I played I played baseball. And they said I was a catcher because I was too slow because all Italians can't run. So nowadays, oh, my God, if you said that, yeah. you'd be fired. You'd lose your job. I'd lose my, even if I said it about Italians, I'd lose my job. But it was, we loved each other. It's yeah. like you can kid your brother. Your brother's shorter than you are. You call him shorty. You love him. Or he's taller than you are. You call him big guy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or you'd say he's a jerk. I just think we got to get back to it. we got to start relating to each other like human beings again. And I think Absolutely. this identity politics is so damn harmful. 
because we're not identities. We're human beings. Yes. So good. I well, think you've Trump got can some bring that back. Accomplishments. He, Go ahead. I think Trump can bring it back because what I just told you describes pretty much the way he feels. Almost yeah. exactly. The, the, when I hear that he's racist or anti-Semitic, I just laugh. I know all of his Jewish friends. I know all of his black friends. I know, I know what he did at Mar-a-Lago, where he yeah. drove the, the, what used to be formally completely prejudiced uh, bath club. They wouldn't let in Jews. They wouldn't let in Italians. They wouldn't let in blacks. We're all out. Yeah. He put the biggest flag right next to it. He brought people in that were Jewish, Italian, black. He then built a nice beach right next to them. They get real close. That's where he put all the people that they'd be most disturbed about. And then they <laughs> sued him because his flag was too. And for seven years, he said, I'm the, this is the greatest thing they could ever do to me. I am fighting for the American flag. Yeah. And when he won, after losing twice, when he won, he just made the flag bigger. <laughs> and now all those people in that bathing club who hated him, they now all voted for him. And all wow. of them vote for re-election. Because he, he straightened out their economy. And then they, they're all people who worry about the stock market. Mm. And he fixed things for them. He's got the, he had the best black on him. Lowest black unemployment, yep. highest employment, Hispanic. So I don't I can see the argument sometimes about people don't like his style of personality because he's a New Yorker and we're not the most agreeable all the time. But I don't see on policy how you can fault this guy. Yeah. But let's see what happens. I think we're going to win it. I think we are, too. I'm pretty confident. I yeah. think we are, too. And thank you. And thank you again, David, for your for your uh, terrific coverage. Thank Enjoy you. It. Faith to you personally. Critical. Critical. You know, I have to say I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of it becomes the most important to me when I'm in trouble. Hmm. But since September 11, I've kept it that way. Because hmm. right before, a year before September 11, I got cancer prostate cancer, which I'm cured of now. But uh, all of a sudden, faith returned when I got prostate cancer. Mm. In the one year period between prostate cancer and September 11, I don't know, I didn't pray that much. Or, then all of a sudden, September 11, first moment I realized that it was way beyond me, I just stopped with Bernie Carrick. And I, I said, Bernie, this is in the hands of God. This is above us. I mean, we're gonna have to make the decisions. And every time we make a decision, we're gonna have to say, God, you gotta, you gotta fix it. because." This is above human beings. From that time on, I've remained that way. I remain, remain uh, uh, spiritual. I think that God guides us. We've got to do the best we can to figure it out. And when we make a mistake, we've got to ask for forgiveness so we can straighten ourselves out. And I believe people, you can rehabilitate people. I just had a wonderful conversation with a guy who's been off drugs and alcohol for 40 years. Wow. And I, I believe that the power, and he was rehabilitated with the power of faith. And I think we don't use it enough. I think we've, I think they've tried, I think they try to drive it out of our country because it's our great strength. If, if we remain spiritual and faithful, they can't beat us. I think that somewhere deep down the Marxist atheists know that. That's why they want to take our faith away. So good. 
So good, <laughs> Mayor. Oh, my goodness. Amazing interview. Absolutely love Thank everything you, that you said. Uh, thank you yeah. so, so much, sir. Again. And again, make sure for all my listeners and watchers out there, make sure that you all are listening to uh, him on his podcast, uh, Rudy's Common Sense. Common you can sense. also hear him from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern on 77 WABC. Mayor, it was an honor. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining me today. Uh, God bless you, and I'd love Thank to you. connect with you. I'd love to be able to get your number. So yes, I will anytime. be talking to Bevelin, and I'm sure she's going to need some representation. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that uh, that'd be a great connection. Thank you, sir. All and right, God, God bless, bless you. you. I'm going to close it out. I'm going to close <laughs> it out really quick. Friends, thank you so, so much for viewing and listening and watching. Please okay. share this podcast, share this video with 10, 15, 20 friends. Americans need to know exactly what's going on. They need to know the truth. And Rudy just dropped uh, uh, several truth bombs. So thank you so much, Mayor Rudy, for joining us today. God bless you. And once again, this podcast is brought to you by MyPillow. MyPillow has amazing products. Mike Lindell is a personal friend of mine. He absolutely loves this country. He's a patriot. And I personally endorse his mattress cover, which has changed my sleep habits. Uh, I fall asleep. I'm able to stay asleep. I have the best rest I've had in years. And uh, it's like a whole new mattress. And I already had a nice expensive mattress. It's even better than that. Get his mattress topper. Get his towels. Get his sheets. Use the code DAVID at MyPillow.com. God bless you all. We'll talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye.